Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Charles Chuck Thompson. I go by Charlie Chuck, whatever. Up Chuck. Keep your head up, Chuck. With me, as always, in the same studio, uh, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston, the one who knows just about everything there is to know except everything. He just knows most of it. Most of it. Yeah. What's on, up, Chuck? On a scale of one to most. <laughs> it's on it's he's, towards most. He's, yeah. Right up there. I could draw you a linear uh, hyperbole graph. A hyperbole but, graph. Yes, but I will, I will leave my math skills uh, for my coding. That hyperbole, <laughs> that hyperbole graph has to be one of the worst ideas I've ever heard of in history. All right, guys. Exactly. All right. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week, except for the days where we don't want to. We do it all of the other days, except for those days right there. And we continue to be Hawaii's favorite morning show. And I, I'm proud to say it. You know, I'm very proud talking to my family back there in Hawaii. You know, yeah. that's that's fine. How was your Thanksgiving, man? Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was good. Very relaxing. We hosted this year. Um, kind of. I mean, there was only two people here, but we hosted <laughs> Thanksgiving this year and it was a lot of fun. I have to tell y'all, I made a Cajun turkey inside of the Big Easy. I was telling everybody about that last week before Thanksgiving. And it was by far the best turkey I've ever had in my life. It actually outshined the ham this year, which is hard to do because we got the ham from the Honey Bang Ham Company. Mm, mm. And that's very difficult. But it was a subpar ham. <laughs> um, it wasn't the normal, you know, honey, the, the sugar glazed, delicious honey baked ham. It's somehow we must have got one of the new people to make our ham for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but, yeah. the, but the turkey was amazing. And then we kind of relaxed all weekend enjoyed our time, kept a little socially distanced. And, um, uh, I, I had a great break. Good. How about you, man? I think you got banned. I, I got from places. I, I got banned from our private Facebook group, shadow apparently banned. shadow banned. And, and this is the crazy kind of banning where I'm still in the group. I can still see the post, but I can't post anything in the Galdorn group that I started uh, from my Facebook account. I can't post anything. So to do, to do today's live show, I had to log into Charlie's Facebook account, newly reinstated Facebook account. Yeah, uh, newly created. Newly created because his previous account was banned as well. And my lost my appeal. They basically, <laughs> they basically were like, you can't appeal. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is what administrative court feels like. It is. Yeah. They, it's like they, I'm going up against the EPA. They decided that they were right and, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. So, yeah, that's fun. I guess I'll have to make a new Facebook account so I can join... Uh, our group and post in it. And that is because I posted a video of myself shooting five or six different guns over the Thanksgiving break. It was a, it was a 45 second long video of me picking up a gun and shooting a bullet from each one of them and hitting a target, except for with one of them, which I think was rigged. But uh, uh, that was it. And you weren't it, even shooting up in the air. I know. I wasn't up in the air. I was just shooting. I had. You were on like a 6,000 acre farm. I had plenty of room to shoot. Wasn't a house in sight. There was nothing behind me except for a uh, the Tri-County Jail was about a couple miles straight directly behind me. So that's fine. And uh, I, I don't think that they were there were any issues, any safety issues whatsoever. But anyway, they decided to go ahead and 
take away my ability to post in the group because the last thing I posted had to do with me shooting guns. I wonder if you can post so, to your regular Facebooks. I, it says I can, and I can post on the Facebook page. Good Morning Liberty Facebook mm. page. I just can't post in the group. It's really weird, but whatever. Other than that, it was a good It was a good Thanksgiving. It was as if I went to a place where coronavirus does not exist whatsoever because there were just tons of people of all ages packed in numerous places. Uh, my my grandpa got married. We also had a, a gathering for him and plenty of people in that place. And it was pretty nice, actually. Lacey and I were talking about how it was really weird because no one had any masks on. Uh, we were all just in a, in a couple tables crammed together. And it was uh, it was like before. It was like 1 BC is what it felt like. You know, it was before coronavirus. How and it was really nice. Ev- evil and selfish of you. I, and the, here's my defense of this. Everyone there is well aware of what's going on with the virus. And we did not go around the people's houses and forcefully put them in the back of our van and drive them over and and force them to come to the tables. Everyone that was there voluntarily came to the dinner. I was voluntarily there and everyone made that personal decision for themselves. Mm. And, and so that, that was it. Sounds like Liberty. It does sound like a little bit of Liberty Mm -hmm. right there. We chose Liberty over security for the Thanksgiving holiday. And I, I hope everyone stayed as safe as they possibly could and um Wes, Wes says you're a super spreader yeah it was a super spreader event it really was <laughs> uh, so we're on a list i'm sure uh but but you had your black lives matter sign i did we it was a protest we protested my grandpa not being married and then the other time we protested not having turkey yeah and actually we were gathering together for the funeral of the turkey is the way that you need to do it in illinois and that's the way that you need to go about doing that so that's what was actually happening did y'all have it at the golf course no no oh, we did it at man. my dad's uh, bar there in town. Oh, okay. So, well, that's still nice. Yeah, it was fun. It was a nice protest. Uh, no one was injured. It was entirely peaceful. Well, it was mostly peaceful and uh, which, uh, overall a good time. Which, as long as it's mostly something, yeah, then you're fine. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> so we're going to pick up on some of the news that happened over the break. There was, of course, this big Supreme Court ruling against New York's restrictions on their religious gatherings. There's been a little bit of what I consider to be the most dangerous type of fake news, which are very misleading headlines. And actually, it's going to be me calling out a misleading headline that is in favor of Andrew Cuomo. Like I'm defending. I'm going to defend something. Mm -hmm. God. And try not to throw up. We're on camera so you guys will see. What happens here? Even though Cuomo doesn't even know where to begin, he's, um, so, he's, he's so pissed. Dude's nuts. I mean, he won Dumb Bleep of the Week last week. Yeah. And still, I'm going to come on here on Monday, and I'm going to say this was a misleading headline from the New York Post about making it seem like Andrew Cuomo said something that he did not actually say, or at least in the context that they framed it up in. So let's talk about the actual backstory here. This is from CBS Local in New York there. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled against Governor Governor Andrew Cuomo. It's what they do up there in New York. Andrew Cuomo and temporarily blocked restrictions on religious services in New York. Now, this was an emergency ruling. This is not the Supreme Court coming down from on high and saying that it is officially unconstitutional to do this. They issued an emergency temporary blocking of Andrew Cuomo's orders. So this is not, this is still going to be appealed and is going to be going back through the Supreme Court on whether or not it is in fact constitutional for this to happen in any, in any way, shape or form. Which we know it's not. 
which we know it's not. We don't really have to have that. But they did rule on a couple other states doing this earlier in the year when RBG was in there and said that it was okay for them to do that. Mm. And and now with ACB in there, right? ACB yeah. is in there. And now they're saying that it's potentially not going to be constitutional. It's weird how the Constitution changes depending on the makeup of the court. <laughs> All this Constitution talk reminds me of Mark Levin. Oh, yeah? The way he says Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> constitution be damned <laughs> he's gone off i mean he's gone off the far deep end on all this election stuff which we'll be talking about some election um anomalies as well mm. in this episode so and anonymities cuomo imposed capacity limits on houses of worship in red and orange zones to slow the spread of coronavirus so easy solution don't build a church in a red or an orange zone problem solved on Thursday, he said <laughs> Thursday he said the court's ruling isn't final and there won't be any changes to current restrictions. This is Cuomo talking. He said, I'm a former altar boy Catholic, so I fully respect religion. There's a time in life we need it. The time is now, but we want to make sure we keep people safe at the same time. And that's the balance we're trying to hit. He added, the Diocese of Brooklyn, however, praised the court's decision said, I'm gratified by the decision of the justices of the United States Supreme Court who have recognized the f clear First Amendment violation and urgent need for relief in this case. I'm proud to be leading the Diocese of Brooklyn and fighting for our sacred and constitutional right to worship. Bishop Nicholas DiMarzio said in a statement, so churchgoers who agree say they prefer in-person worship instead of online. That was uh, apparently a survey sent out by the churches. <laughs> uh, we'll see, they filled it out when they were dropping their offerings so that they prefer to be in person. And uh, so, quote, I think it's essential because people need to get closer to God right about now. Midtown resident Catherine Gerald told CBS 2's Dave Carlin. Even in the pandemic, the Constitution cannot be put away and forgotten. DeMarzio said. He well, then this is what the founders warned against, mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. They warned against emergency powers because you have the least amount of freedom in emergency powers, which is why they limited Congress's ability to fund war to only two years, because they knew that they should have to come back and vote on this kind of things. Otherwise, you would end in per perpetual tyranny. When we are in this perpetual and constant state of emergency, which we always seem to be in, there is an emergency war going on. There is emergency coronavirus. We must be at DEFCON 12. We are. Now. We are. Well, actually, <laughs> I think it gets uh, higher the lower the number gets. Is the way that that oh, so is we're the way at that that we're, negative twelve. Negative twelve is okay. where we are. So everybody yeah. get in your bunker. <laughs> <laughs> he and other religious leaders say the ruling, which heads for an appeal that's expected to send it back to the Supreme Court, can be used to challenge and overturn other restrictions elsewhere. So that is the kind of important part from this that this can become precedent, and other states, other municipalities will be able to will be able to use this and look at this uh, the whatever the Catholic Church is versus Andrew Cuomo, the Supreme Court said that the state did not have the right to do this, that it was not constitutional. So people will be able to use precedent. The American and New York Civil Liberties Union said they support religious freedom, but not the ruling. <laughs> so they support religious freedom when they are okay with the time. When it fits for their religious parameters. Freedom. Yeah. So, quote, the freedom to worship. We support, <laughs> we support religious uh, freedom in parameters. Yes. Inside of this box. Yes. You get this freedom that we decided mm. you have. Mm. No. Quote, the freedom to worship is one of our most cherished fundamental rights, but it does not include a license to harm others or endanger public health. Jesus. ACLU program of freedom of religion and belief 
Daniel Mach said. Now, there's my problem with this is when we decide that there is one thing that is so dangerous that we have to change up everything and take we can take away all the rights because of it. I mean, if the principle is it could be dangerous because you could go to church, you could catch a virus, and then you could spread that to other people. So therefore, we should be able to stop people from doing this. Does that principle not extend all the way down to any time that someone could catch a virus inside of a church and like spread it to other people? What about the flu? People? What about other stuff? Yeah. That's my problem. Is it only dangerous when w- this year? Is, is that it? Because I believe there's always viruses and diseases that are going around that people can catch when they're in large groups of people. Mm-hmm. And so where's the principle on this? There, there isn't one. And so they said, quote, New York's temporary restrictions on indoor gatherings do not discriminate against houses of worship and, in fact, treat them better than comparable non-religious gatherings. And the Supreme Court's decision will... Oh, un- that's from Donna Lieberman. Oh, yeah. Love her. Is, is she related to Joe Lieberman? Probably. The Supreme Court's decision will unfortunately undermine New York's efforts to curb the pandemic. So people going to church is going to completely undermine mm-hmm. the efforts to curb not the, the pandemic. Not the celebration of Times uh, time Square of Biden's victory. No, that's not. Uh, that's not, fine. Not, not protests, mm-hmm. not celebration gatherings of any sort, uh, nothing like that. It's going to be the people <clears throat> going to church. The five to four decision came down just after midnight with Chief Justice John Roberts and the court's three liberal justices dissenting. In this article, they put library justices, which is a boring type of justice that no one cares about. They just have their nose in books. Yeah, that's all they have. The liberal justices dissenting. What use is John Roberts anymore? I mean, come on, man. Come on now. Justice Amy Coney Barrett's who was trending as Amy COVID Barrett over the weekend. Oh, God. Vote became the deciding factor. They say she's a deciding factor, by the way, because this was voted on in a couple other instances throughout the year and when RPG was on it, way. and it was 5-4 the other direction. So mm-hmm. they're saying she was the deciding factor. Okay, so we, we get a lot of this idea. Let me get into some of what they said. The justices acted on an emergency basis, temporarily barring New York from enforcing the restrictions against the groups while their lawsuits continue. In an unsigned opinion, the court said the restrictions single out houses of worship for especially harsh treatment. Weird. It's it's weird that it was unsigned. unsigned. Yeah. Yeah. Members of this court. Now, there were a couple quotes from John Roberts on here, I think, but uh, quote, members of this court are not public health experts, and we should respect the judgment of those with special expertise and responsibility in this area. But even in a pandemic, the Constitution cannot be put away and forgotten. The restrictions at issue here, by effectively barring many from attending religious services, strike at the very heart of the First Amendment's guarantee of religious liberty, the opinion said. Mm. It was an unsigned opinion. The opinion noted that in red zones, while a synagogue or church cannot admit more than 10 people, businesses deemed essential from, from grocery stores to pet shops can remain open without capacity limits. So this is where they're saying that they were unfairly targeted because in the same zone, they said that the churches could have 10 people and the essential businesses did not have capacity limits. And so that's where they said everybody came through one door at reduced hours. Yeah. (laughs) So they actually made everything worse. And in orange zones, while synagogues and churches are capped at 25 people, even non-essential businesses may decide for themselves how many persons to admit. So I would say this is a correct ruling, no matter where you come down on the pandemic and restrictions that we need to put in place to curb the spread of the coronavirus, uh, it still, to me, would be deemed an unfair targeting of the religious institutions in those zones. I don't see how you wouldn't 
I don't see how you wouldn't decide that. If any, you know, if they would have said that it was the same rules for everyone inside of that zone, then I don't think this goes to the Supreme Court and I don't think they make this ruling on it is kind of a problem I have with it because yeah. they're not really ruling on the principle of whether or not the government can tell you how many people can be in your building or anything. They're saying that it was unfair for you to set different limits for churches and businesses. Yeah. Essentially. Has to be all the same tyranny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let Tyranny me, must be applied equally. Let me add in my misleading headline. This was frustrating because I saw this headline and I was well, like... Well, read the next part first because oh, yeah. I don't understand what Roberts means here. Roberts in dissent wrote that there was simply no need for the court's action. We'll get... Well, yeah, that's what's coming up next. Okay. Simply no need for the court's action. None of the houses of worship identified in the applications is now subject to any fixed numerical restrictions. He added. So that what he's saying there is since this started through the court's, New York has changed their restrictions and none of these people who are even in this case in court who brought the lawsuit are included in those restrictions anymore. And so that that's what that's what he's saying. But I think the important part here is that this needs to go ahead and be ruled on because they could change their minds tomorrow and say that they're right. back in those zones and they're back in these numbers again. Yeah. So I, I don't think that that's a good argument really whatsoever. And then the governor can just change it for a couple yeah, of days. You just change it. Like That's... rescind it for a couple of days. And then once yeah. the court decision or once the court's like, Oh, well, we're not going to rule on this. And they reinstate it. Then you got to file another lawsuit. Then they have to hear it. Then whatever. Then you just go back and forth. So this is where being principled comes in because this is a misleading headline. To me, this is the worst type of fake news, by the way, is misleading headlines because people only read headlines and that it's really, I mean, literally 90% of people sharing articles only read headlines. And that was the case with this one. And when I read this, I was like, yeah, I was right. I told you guys on the podcast that that ACB getting on the Supreme Court was going to be good for liberty in the long run because what would happen are these liberal jurisdictions are going to end up saying that they're not going to pay attention to the Supreme Court because it's, a, you know, it's, it's an illegitimate Supreme Court put in by an illegitimate president. And so they're not going to pay attention to it. And... And so when I saw this, I was like, look, this is exactly what's happening. So here's the headline from the New York Post, which made me decide to not pick any of their articles that came up today on my show notes. They said, Cuomo calls Supreme Court church ruling irrelevant despite decision. Now, what would that tell you, Charlie? What would that he's going to ignore <clears throat> yeah. the Supreme Court decision. He doesn't care what they said. Yeah. No, he said... It's irrelevant of any practical impact because of the zone where they're talking about is moot. It expired last week, the governor said, adding it doesn't have any practical effect. Which is what Roberts was saying. Yeah. Is that, well, these, the people who filed the lawsuit, well, they're no longer, uh, they no longer have this restriction. So yeah. what are we ruling on, essentially? It, that's that's the issue. Uh, this is why I, I was so upset by this headline and why you guys always have to watch out for this because I wanted to believe the headline because I've already said, and we've already said that this is what's going to happen. People in liberal jurisdictions are going to ignore the Supreme Court, which I think is good in the long run because a lot of people need to ignore the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe that's not good when you have a tyrannical government ignoring the Supreme Court. Uh, but we, we really have had a lot of rulings from the Supreme Court that need to be taken as opinions which they are. They don't have a SWAT team. I don't right. think there's a Supreme Court SWAT team. I, I really don't think there is. But they don't, you know, why do this? Why, is, why send this out? And you look through the comments on their tweet and everything, people talking about how liberals this and demon rats this, and they're not going to pay attention to the Supreme Court. And then you look at the, 
you look at the actual article and they say Cuomo said it's irrelevant because those people are that this thing actually expired last week. That's all he said. He didn't say I'm not going to pay attention to the Supreme Court because they're, you know, they're irrelevant and they're Ill- illegitimate. And Trump put those people in like that. That's not what he said. He just said it's a mute point, man. He said it's a mute point, man. That's all he said. No, he said mute. Mute. <laughs> it's a mute point. You can't hear it. You cannot it's, hear the point. Yeah, can't hear it. I left a good one here for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay with all the names good i'm good at names by the way so this is this is how good i am but but look i you know i obviously agree with the decision that you know that you can't just ignore the constitution because there's an emergency now look i believe people should heed uh you know good advice like i did over the right. break yeah you sh- you should take good advice and you should you know ponder on it for a second and be like okay is this a good idea in the long run how does this affect my life you know charlie 25 years from now how does he want to live and analyze that information that you receive but you can't force people uh to to go against their liberty yeah you know like the the freedom to travel the freedom to uh, communicate the freedom to gather all of those freedoms that we have, not because the constitution says we have them because we are human beings. We inherently have those rights and the constitution is supposed to protect those. So I mean, it does not allow for anyone to take those away. The constitution says that they're going to protect those rights because we have them and the mm. government itself starts to take those. I mean, that wasn't even, you know, it's, it's, it's other people removing those rights from you. It's to protect from a tyrannical government, removing those rights from you we don't have to see this go through the Supreme Court. The answer is pretty clear. It's unconstitutional for a government to to stop you from allowing people in your business or not allowing people in your business or to stop you from traveling in some kind of way that you want to. And you get into a problem here when the government owns everything that you do all the time. They own mm. the roads. They give licenses to the businesses so they can so they can exist. Um, they They control the financial transactions all over the place and it, it becomes pretty difficult to just plainly have this constitutional right, this right that we all have as human beings protected by the government when they decide they don't want to protect it anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, this news we'll talk about, Charlie, I don't even know if you, if you had heard about it yet, but I think it's a really bad idea by Israel here. Yeah. Iran's top nuclear scientist being assassinated. So this coming, break. this coming from the BBC, this guy did not have a good Thanksgiving. No. Oh. So, no. Mosin Fakhrizade, <laughs> Iran. That's pretty good. Yeah. Fakhrizade. We'll call him MFR. <laughs> <laughs> Mosin Fakhrizade, Iran scientist killed by remote controlled weapon. He's got kids out here <laughs> killing people with remote controls, man. <laughs> Iran believes Israel and an exiled opposition group used a remote control weapon to shoot. Dead top nuclear scientist, MF, Mosin Fakhrizada, on Friday. Security chief Ali Shamakahani <laughs> said the attackers had used electronic equipment when Fakhrizada's car was fired on the east of the capital, Tehran. He was speaking, I should read this in a BBC voice. 
He was speaking at a funeral of the scientist Israel accused of secretly helping to develop nuclear weapons. Israel, <laughs> That's way worse. <laughs> Israel has not it's so publicly much worse. commented on the allegations of its involvement. What were the motives behind the killing? In the early 2000s, MFR played a crucial role in Iran's nuclear program, but the government insists its nuclear activities are entirely peaceful. That's that's one funny thing coming out of this. I don't condone them killing this guy because I think it's I I think it's best that we keep this a cold war that's happening as much as possible. I think this is easily going to raise a lot of tensions. I don't think there's a good thing that really comes from this. Yeah, but like, they're saying that oh, our nuclear activities are into, we're using it to to uh, create nuclear power. That's uh, that, yeah. that's what we're doing. It's entirely peaceful, which is better than the mostly peaceful scale. It is. This guy was safer than a BLM protest. Yes. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. And here he is getting assassinated. And look, you know, Israel has nuclear weapons. The United States does. Russia. All the major power players. Okay. Uh, it has been sub subjected to crippling Western sanctions aimed at preventing it from developing nuclear weapons. Israeli uh, Israel's intelligence minister, Eli Cohen, said on Monday in an interview with a radio station that he did not know who was behind the killing. However, an unnamed senior Israeli official involved in tracking Iranian nuclear activities was quoted by the New York Times as saying that Iran's aspirations for nuclear weapons promoted by Mr. Uh, Bakrizida posed such a menace that the world should thank Israel. Yeah. So he I, took it upon, they took it upon themselves to know what the rest of the world wanted. Do you think this has anything to do with the potential that Biden's going to go back into that old Iran nuclear deal? And, oh, absolutely. Uh, and might be a little bit softer on them, you know? Well, I think it has to do with um, the fact that I, I think we're going to have, I honestly think we're going to see some more wars pop yeah. up under yeah. Biden. I truly do. What's interesting, if you look at the history since Reagan, we've been starting wars since Reagan, depending on the different. I mean, we we uh, we invaded what Costa Rica and Reagan or uh, no, 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 I don't think it was Costa Rica. What was it? It was South America. Uh, you're putting me on the spot here. I don't know. One of those. But anyway, we've been invading countries and, and having military action since then. And Trump didn't start anything new. Yeah, that's weird. Which is very strange for a president of the last 40 years. Also didn't retaliate when Iran just straight up drone bombed a bunch of places while well, he was he, president. They did. Remember, they <laughs> dropped the mother of all bombs. Well, that was early. The only retaliatory thing they did, I and guess, killed, was killing the general. Yes. Um, and, and so that was one thing. But I don't know. I, I still see anyone else in office during this thing. I, I see that the, they just would have gone into a full-on war with Iran. And... I just don't think that this is going to end up well. I realize that Israel's probably worried that Iran's going to come up with a nuke, and that they're going to that they're going to have that. And unfortunately, I don't think killing their top nuclear scientists is going to do the trick there. There's other nuclear scientists out there. Mm. There's other like it's not like this guy was the last nuclear scientist that there was. Right. You know, so what's going to happen? They're going to get a new one. There a new a new head's going to pop up. And then that guy is just going to make it. Only they're the going to be way more mad now. The only thing I could say that would excuse Israel in this action would be if they found out that Iran was building a nuclear weapon to attack them. Mm -hmm. Which the, Iran said and the scientists plenty of said, times. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And the scientists said, okay, once I get done with this, you can, you can attack Israel. I'm not saying that Israel has and, no reason to want to do this. Yeah. I'm saying that I think this, as far as playing chess with people's lives here... 
I don't think that going out and doing this was was a great move for anyone. Agreed. I, I don't think this leads to more peace. No. Which is what I which is what I want it to lead towards. And I don't that wouldn't have been one of my moves. That wouldn't have been one. Do we know what America's response to this was? Uh Biden has not been super happy about it overall. And and of course, uh, you know, I don't know what's gonna happen because they kind of towed a line on being anti Israel and tough on Iran at the same time. And so I don't know what they're gonna do, mm. honestly. There's no telling. And Biden probably doesn't either. So we'll see. We'll see. I just don't the, want a war. He's gonna move the embassy. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. There you go. If that'll make yeah. everyone happy, you'll probably do it. More than likely. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about elections. Do you remember the election we had? Oh, yeah, that's right. We had one. Yeah, we had yeah. one mm-hmm. um, back back uh, earlier this month, actually. Yeah. It was still just still, earlier this month. Still this month. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me here, you grab this misleading headline and I'm going to tell you why this headline is such BS real quick. All right. Coming from Fox business, Senator Rand Paul claims statistical fraud in states where Trump lost calls out big tech. So they're saying that Rand Paul says that there was statistical fraud. Did he, did he say this? No. Did it, let's see what, what did, what did he actually say? Trump's this is what he said. He said, Rand Paul said, interesting. Trump margin of defeat in four states occurred in four data dumps between 134 and 631 a.m. The Republican senator tweeted. He continued saying statistical anomaly, question mark, fraud, question mark. Look at the evidence and decide for yourself. That is if big tech allows you to read this. That's, <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah. So in his tweet saying statistical anomaly, question mark, fraud, question mark. Look at the evidence and decide for yourself. It's weird to me that Fox turned this into Rand Paul claims statistical fraud in states where Trump lost. He asked the question. He, he put a question mark and said, look at the evidence, decide for yourself. Yeah. That's how far we've come. Like if you present some a type question. data and say, look at this data and decide what you think, then that or is... Or even say like he, what he's saying is like, look at this data. Yeah. Is this a statistical anomaly or is it fraud? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he didn't you, say it was fraud. You look and decide for yourself. Make your own conclusion. Yeah. But then he claims. That's a claim now. You ask a question, it's a claim. Oh, can I? <laughs> like if I was like, did Jesus, uh, was he raised from the dead on the third day? And just like, Chuck from Good Morning Liberty claims, without a doubt, <laughs> yeah. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Look, it's, and he tweeted the Bible. Yes. <laughs> a, a link to the Bible. Yeah. Look at this. Look at the claim he made. I just made. put BibleHub.com and said, hey, <laughs> look at the evidence. Decide for yourself. I had this ridiculous thing. I couldn't wait for dumb bleep on this, Charlie. It had to do with the with the churches and the Supreme Court. Okay. And I put it in the wrong spot. Here's this tweet, by the way. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for Friday. Religious institutions should now pay taxes since separation of church and state no longer exists. <laughs> Because of the Supreme Court decision yes, of protecting religious freedom. Because the Supreme Court said that the state could not control how many people went to church. This person is saying that separation of church and state no longer exists. So churches should pay taxes. That's that's hilarious. What? What? That's great. How does that work? Well, you just say it. That's how it works, Nate. 
is this not the exact opposite? All you have to do is tweet it out. Okay, good that's lord, that's definitely going in dumb bleep. It has to. I mean, that is so backwards. It'd be because you said the state can't interfere with the church. That means separation of the church. So the to have separation of the church and state, you must have the state being able to control the church. But the church cannot control the state. Yeah, that's the but difference. the church deciding that people can freely go there or not is somehow the church controlling the state. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I don't understand. I think, I think it might be too late, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's the article that Rand Paul tweeted out. The evil, evil article from Vote Pattern Analysis. Anomalies in the vote counts and their effects on election 2020. Now, I read this entire thing. This is like 50 pages of statistical data in a, in a study that no one reads because they're super boring. And I mean, when they talk about, we're going to give this data and here's how we came and here's how we measure whether or not this data was in line with the other data to, to be an anomaly. Here's how we gather. And, and they go through 20 pages of explaining how they gathered the data and how they measured it and, and how they charted it beforehand. And they're like, and here are our conclusions. Now this has already been marked as a, disputed claim of election fraud right. this on, article on twitter the article all it says is that here is the data from the election and here are these anomalies in the vote counts that seem strange that are just anomalies and the thing actually says we are not claiming fraud we're not saying that anything happened we're just specifically pinpointing these anomalies that happened on on election day and has this ever after. happened before and has it ever happened before no it yeah. hasn't and so and it gets tagged as some type of misleading claim about election fraud. Yeah. It's literally just the data from the election. Right. <laughs> it's insane. You can't talk about it. You can't talk about it. And that's what makes me... The only reason I still consider, like, was this fraud? Is the fact that people refuse to even talk about it. And people need to realize that. When you took the New York Post off of Twitter, they gained 200,000, 250,000 followers during that time. Because that makes people think that they're right. You you knock Alex Jones off of all the platforms. Everyone immediately thinks that he's on to something. All right? that This doesn't work the way people think it does. No. It does not work the way the, the controllers working all the buttons and the controls think it, work, thinks it works. Well, and think about, like, you know, we, we do the football analogy because it's easy. But, you know, like, when your team obviously commits pass interference and uh, they don't call it. Yeah. And or no, that's not a good example. Not pass interference. Uh, let's say it's um, let's say it's offsides, right? And they don't see it, or a fumble. Fumble's a good one, and they don't see it. And you're like, oh, come on, hurry up and go to the next play. Yeah, hurry, hurry up and up. go to the next let's play go. or catch. Snap the ball. Snap if, the ball. If, if you don't think they catch it, if you don't yeah. think that oh, that was kind of a sketchy catch, maybe it hit the ground. Yeah. Like oh, hurry up, run up there, snap the ball. Don't show <laughs> the replay. Don't let them. Don't let them dig into this. Yeah. Because it's your it team, is. and you want them to win. Like, oh, that was definitely a catch. Run up there. Hurry. Hurry and run up there. And I, a lot of those catches happen at 3 o'clock in the morning yeah. in football. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> they do. I was fine with the Cowboys obviously being offsides on the time when they sacked uh, what, what's his name on Thanksgiving Day. They needed all the help they could get. Exactly. I mean, the dude was the, the dude had his hands on the quarterback half second before they snapped the ball, it seemed like. And I was like... Yeah, yeah, serves you right. That serves you right for not being on my team. That's right. All right. <laughs> okay, so here's what they came up with, vote pattern analysis here. 
In the early hours of November 4, 2020, Democratic candidate Joe Biden received several major vote spikes that substantially and decisively improved his electoral position in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Much skepticism and uncertainty surrounds these vote spikes. Critics point to suspicious vote counting practices, extreme differences between the two major candidates' vote counts, and the timing of the vote updates, among other factors, to cast doubt on the legitimacy of some of these spikes. While data analysis, now this is important, while data analysis cannot on its own demonstrate fraud or systemic issues, it can point us to systemically anomalous cases that invite further scrutiny. Hmm. So it, it, they're not saying that there was fraud. It says, hey, maybe we should look at this and say, look at that. All right. Maybe that's what we should do. This is one such case. Our analysis finds that a few key vote updates in competitive states were unusually large in size and had an unusually high Biden to Trump ratio. We demonstrate the results uh, differ enough from expected results to be cause for concern. So I'm not saying there's pro that there's fraud. With this report, we rely on publicly available data from the New York Times to identify and analyze statistical anomalies in key states. Looking at almost 9,000 individual vote updates. So a vote update is when you looked and you were looking at the page and all of a sudden the vote count was different. Mm -hmm. Like So there's a, there's a big vote update. All right. We discover a remarkably consistent mathematical property. There is a clear inverse relationship between difference in candidates' vote counts and the ratio of the vote counts. All right, so what they're saying is, of the 9,000 vote updates that happened during the election, what they come up with is that over 99% of them stayed within this same mathematical property. They had roughly this ratio of votes Biden to Trump, and um, you know this is and this is how many votes were uploaded in those updates, and they all kind of stayed within that same parameter. <laughs> In particular, we're, we were able to quantify the extent of compliance with the property and discover that of the 9,000 updates used in this analysis, these four decisive updates were the first. So there were, nine, there were 9,000 vote updates. They're going to talk about four of them. And these four were the first, second, fourth, and seventh most anomalous updates in the entire data set of 9,000. Not only does each of these vote updates not follow the generally observed pattern, but the anomalous behavior of these updates is particularly extreme. That is, these vote updates are outliers of the outliers. Mm. It's pretty so they even took all of the outliers. And then these are outliers of those. Of the outliers. Of the outliers. Mm. You remember reading like, that book, The Outliers? Kind of like being the outcast of the outcasts. Yeah. Man. The outcast. The outcast. Which is what you are me. right now. I know. I yeah. know. The four vote updates in question are an update in Michigan listed as 6:31 a.m. On November 4th, which shows 141,000 votes for Joe Biden and 6,000 votes for Donald Trump. Wow. An update in Wisconsin listed at 3.42 Central Time, at 3.42 a.m. Central on November 4th, which shows 143,000 votes for Biden and 25,000 votes for Donald Trump. Mm. A vote update in Georgia at 1.34 a.m., which listed 136,000 votes for Joe Biden and 29,000 votes for Donald Trump. An update in Michigan listed at 3.50 a.m., on November 4th, which shows 55,000 votes for Biden and 4,700 votes for Donald Trump. All right, so I'm not going to read you guys the entire 60-page study. We'll put a link in the show notes, all right? But I'm going to read what they came to and just tell you why I think it's important we talk about this. It's important we talk about this because this is actual data from the election, and I think that we need to actually talk about why this happened. And Marisa's saying that's a pretty good sample size. It's actually a, a massive sample size because this isn't 9,000 votes. 
This is 9,000 individual updates. Yeah, this is all the vote so updates from the election. Exactly. Yeah, they're it's, taking every single update. It is the sample size. Yes. It's the whole thing. So, yeah, so that's a good point right there. This report studies, so the conclusion they came to, and we'll, we'll talk about why this is important, that studies 9,000 individual updates to the vote totals in all 50 states and finds that four individual updates, two of which were widely noticed on the internet, including by the president, are, prof are profoundly anomalous. They deviate from a pattern which is otherwise found in the vast majority of the remaining 8,950 vote updates. The findings presented by this report suggest that four vote count updates, which collectively were decisive in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia, and thus decisive of a critical 42 electoral votes, are especially anomalous and merit further investigation. That's all we're saying here. We're not saying Donald Trump won the election. We're saying, let's talk about this. This is to say, the believability of these updates relies on the premise that one or two most Biden favoring parts of the state were counted entirely in those two batches. If it cannot be shown that the ballots counted during these spikes were qualitatively different from all other vote updates in Michigan, then the results are likely too extreme along multiple dimensions to be accepted at face value. That means that those vote updates, that to believe that this is possible, you have to accept the premise that that update was the, <clears throat> the entire part, the most pro-Biden part in the entire state was uploaded entirely in that one update, that the whole thing was uploaded right there, which I'm not saying isn't possible. I'm saying that I, I think it deserves an explanation. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, and considering Michi uh, Wisconsin, sorry, in Wisconsin, Donald Trump lost by 19,300 votes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. In Michigan, he lost by, it looks about 150,000 votes. So that one's a little larger. <clears throat> so maybe he doesn't take Michigan. In Georgia... He lost by, looks like, 12,700 votes. Yeah. So in two states, it's less than 20,000 votes. And so, so what they were saying was, if not for these four updates, which were all in the top seven of the most anomalous updates of the entire election, if not for those four, then Trump won the election. And they were just... It, the, the problem is where it becomes unbelievable or just statistically, I don't want to say impossible, but statistically unlikely is where you update 141,000 votes for Biden and 6,000 votes for Trump at one time. Yeah. That ratio is ridiculous. That's 25 to one ratio, maybe Yeah, so, something like that. I mean, that's it's, it's statistically it's, it's just barely possible. It's possible. And it, it can happen. Mm -hmm. And now if it was, say, all of the mail-in ballots from the most liberal section of the state or whatever, and they the were- The most library. All the most library section <laughs> of the state were all uploaded at that one time at 6.31 a.m. Not only does it represent the only time where the entire group was all uploaded at one time, but they were heavily, heavily 25 to one in favor for Joe Biden. It's just- it's just crazy. What's the percentage on that? Uh, percentage on what? Uh, oh, one, six six thousand, right? One forty-one to six thousand, so one hundred and forty-seven thousand total, and he got one hundred and forty-one thousand of it 
Uh, so let me just do a quick number crunch on you. 4.2%. 4.2% is what Trump got. So 95, 95.8% yeah. of those dumps were for Biden. And it's just... He didn't even win counties by that much. The only... Yeah, that's the only question I had to ask, because I wrote an article about this last night after I read it, was why didn't this happen anywhere else? Why weren't there any crazy pro-Trump counties where it was 25 to 1 Trump in some of these counties that mm -hmm. all updated at one time? You know, why weren't there tons of counties? There's a lot of big cities in the United States. Why haven't we States. seen this in history before? Why is, well, we did have 80, 90 million mail-in votes, which we never had it yeah, had before, I guess. But why didn't we see? There's a lot of hey, big look, cities. look, never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> why didn't it happen in New York? Is Biden not just clearly the person who people in New York would well, want? Well, Trump's why from New York, though. Uh, why so wouldn't I'm, you see that ratio? I'm just playing devil's advocate. I know. He, he is a liberal from New York. It's just, <laughs> it's crazy. Why not any of the other big cities anywhere? Did you see that kind of a ratio and all of them uploaded at the same time? So it's are you saying crazy. this is a coup? No, I'm saying that I want people to look into the numbers. As, as much as possible. Facebookless Nate claims a coup. <laughs> Facebookless Nate. Zucked Nate claims Zucked Nate. election fraud. <laughs> <laughs> there has been a coup by President elect Biden. So, no, that's I not mean, what I'm saying. Look, I think, and I said this before, I really think. Trump should concede. I, I'm not against investigating these anomalies. I, I think that they should be investigated. I think the integrity of our election calls for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It does. And so, but look, there's fraud in every single election, but this is pretty, um, I don't know, damning, you could say, uh, for, you know, these four um, dumps that happened. Yeah, it's pretty anomalous. And, but my thing is, is that, and when I look at the 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 map, I you know, Michigan, sure you could say what was the Michigan one? Uh, Michigan was uh, fifty four thousand fifty five thousand votes for Biden and five thousand votes for Trump. That's a ten to one. That's you know ninety percent. Well, the first one was Michigan too. That's one hundred and forty one thousand. The six. Oh, 000. I see. So yeah. like, let's see. That's two hundred. Yeah, about two hundred thousand votes. Two hundred thousand to ten thousand votes essentially. And in Michigan, Biden's up by 150,000. So, I mean, that would. And that's what this report was saying. We have the most statistical anomalous vote dumps we've ever seen. And they happen to these four swing the election from Trump to Biden. So that would be it's crazy. 10, uh, 26, and 16 is 42 electoral votes. Yeah. So if you add 42 to Trump's total, that would give him 274. Mm -hmm. And it would take Biden down back, by 42 back below him. I, all I'm saying is I just want to know. Mm -hmm. I just want someone. And what I really would like is for someone to acknowledge, just say someone come out and say, oh, yeah, I realized there was statistical anomalies. That's crazy. It's because we uploaded every single mail in ballot from this precinct at the same time. And 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 that's it. And there's your explanation right there. Here's the precinct. Well, my that thing we is, is like who uploaded these yeah, was, no. you know, yeah. they have a user ID and login. Can we track that? Can we look at them Can now? We get a sworn deposition from these <laughs> folks. Say, I, I didn't know. do anything weird. I mean, it's so easy to track this stuff. Yeah. Especially with technology. But, you know, it doesn't matter because Trump has said that he is going to announce his 2024 candidacy during Biden's inaugural address. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> 
Apparently, uh, he will be holding a campaign rally for 2024 during Biden's inaugural (laughs) speech. It's never going to stop. Oh this my doesn't God. stop ever. That's going to be amazing. I know that they'll end up, they'll end up completely removing him from social media in, in some kind of way yeah. like that. I don't see people, especially with the Biden administration, putting up with it. That's just, hilarious. It is really funny. <laughs> and it's also just annoying because I want, I want the Republican party to move on from Trump and, yeah. you know, elect Rand Paul as the president, <laughs> you right. know, I think that we could, uh, I think we could do a better job like that. Um, but I think Trumpism is here to stay for a long time, regardless of whether or not Trump runs again. So it's just, it's just pretty crazy. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. All right, y'all. That is our episode for today. That still ended up being longer than what I thought it was going to be. And that's mm-hmm. what she said. So let's talk about Master My Stonks. Listen, y'all, that counts up pretty good on an Apple trade I took this morning. I did tell everyone in the group this morning that I was getting in options on Apple this morning. And I did get in them and up 35% today so far. And also, we looked at all the other stuff moving in the pre-market. I didn't take any trades because it didn't fit my rig- rigorous criteria for the perfect trade. But some other people in the group took the the stonks that we were looking at and uh, did pretty well on them. So if you want to go look into trading stonks, because stonks only go up. That's what we traded. I didn't think CAAS was going to be a stonk. I thought it was a stock. It turned out to be a stonk. So it was only going up. That's, that's and right. Apple definitely stonktastic today. Just, just shooting up the whole time. You can learn how to read charts, how to set up your own strategies if you want to, or learn the strategies that we are trading every day. We go live every single day of the week, even if we don't want to. Unless there's unless I'm out of town for Thanksgiving, shooting guns, getting banned off Facebook, any kind of stuff like that. But any any other time than that, we go live at 8 a.m. Central Time talking about what's moving in the market. There's over 250 videos on the class, guys. So much content on there. Trust me. Spent a lot of time putting together all that content. And I think I think there's a lot to learn. I think you can increase your human capital. I think you can potentially set yourself up for a better future for yourself and your family by going to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades if the word stonk offends you yeah. in some kind of way. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. And, you know, like like Nate said, stonks go up. They only go up. So if you master your stonks, then, uh, you know, you're going to do well. No promises. I can't guarantee anything. You guys have to look at our disclaimer. But, you know, <clears throat> it's uh, we got people making money. I'm making money. Nate's making money. The group's making money. Y'all can learn this. You know, it's a side hustle. It's a good. It's a good time. So at least learn about it. I really think another crash is coming, by the way. So you need to <laughs> learn. Yeah, you need to learn. Um, oh, I snatched up some happening. Bitcoin when it dipped over the holiday break, by the way. Oh, nice. It dipped down to 16,000. I was like, I'm buying it right there. Nice. I don't know what it went up to today. but I it, think it went up. I saw last night it was at 18 something. Yeah, that ended up being a pretty good. I'm still uh, holding from my 11,000 position. 19. 19.4. Yeah, pretty nice. good. I am up over $400 in my crypto uh, portfolio. Just in your little who gives who yeah. gives an S crypto yeah, I've account. Yeah, I've got uh, Stellar Lumens, which I'm up 100% on. That's nice. I'm uh, I'm up $200, so that's 300% on Bitcoin right now. I'm break even on XRP. I'm down a little bit on Chainlink, and I'm down a little bit on District 
Zero X. What the heck is that? I don't know, but I, I read up on it, and I don't remember <laughs> why, but I was like, oh, I'll put, you know, 80 bucks in that. Yep. So. <laughs> I'm even on Stellar. I'm at a 120% gain on XRP, and I'm up about uh, 25% on Bitcoin. So, yep. not bad. Literally, I mean, I'm going to pay attention to it, but this is something like I'm just, I really want to hold on to for 10 years. Yeah. You know, I put about 500 bucks in there and my accounts, I'm actually, well, I'm at 1,083. So I'm, my account's up a hundred percent and um, just want to see where it goes. I listened to a podcast the other day that had, uh, I think his name is Robert Breedlove on it, uh, who just knows everything about Bitcoin there is to know. And after I listened to that, I was like, he you know guitars what? guitars too? Uh, no, I don't think he's the same. <laughs> I don't think he's the same Breedlove. He might be. Those are all made by Samick anyway. Yeah. Uh, but he was talking about Bitcoin. And honestly, the way he was talking about it made me think that it is the thing to invest your money in for, for the future. And so I started putting some money in it. I mean, they indicate. That is not me telling people to do that. Do your own research. I bought in because I saw it dip down 4,000 points in, in like a day. I was like, all right, well, that's going to bounce back up mm -hmm. from that level. So I was really hoping to see 12, 13. I was hoping for it to crash a little bit more. Yep, yep, yep. But you know, hey, still it might dip. Still might. Still might. It could cross all time highs and then come back down before mm -hmm. it goes back up. You never know. Or it could just go to the moon. Yeah, who knows? You never know. But analysts indicate. I mean, they're saying a hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a coin by twenty twenty five. That's insane. They are saying that. That's insanity. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying I'm saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> they are saying that. I'm not making any claims here. No. Okay. No. I'm just asking a question. Will this is actually a disclaimer. Will Bitcoin go up to $250,000 a coin? I don't know. You look at the data and decide for yourself. Oh, uh, you just, that disclaim is disputed. <laughs> All right. So mastermystonks.com, mastermytrades.com. We talk about everything from crypto to stonks to stocks to options, all kinds of things on there. And you guys need to learn. It's the best prices you're going to find anywhere to get this type of education. So mastermytrades.com, mastermystonks.com. Join the Patreon group, we get new users every single week. And so we appreciate all of y'all in here supporting this show. And uh, we love having you. We love having people part of the live group. It is, has been absolutely fantastic this entire year. Lots of great interactions. So if you want to be a part of that, go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty for as little as five bucks a month. That's it, y'all. Five bucks a month. And if you share the show with a friend, I hope you shared it with your communist uncle over Thanksgiving break, uh, shoot, shoot us a message. Let us know what your communist uncle has to think about this. <laughs> I know I told a few people over the weekend. Yeah, so go, it was, it was nice. Go listen to the new RHP episode, rehumanizing project episode with JG Franklin. It was a really cool conversation. We talked, I mean, we, anytime I can talk about Ayn Rand with someone, then I, I really enjoy the conversation. So yeah. it, it was a good time. Go back and listen to the episode. So, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, share the show with a friend and an enemy, and then also leave us that rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, Come on, man.